This is the Intego Mac Podcast for December 6th, 2017. In this episode, we'll have details on a serious macOS security bug dubbed the IMROOT vulnerability, including how it was discovered, how it could affect your Mac, and how it's being handled by Apple. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software, exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. Did you update your Macs, Josh? Yeah, you better believe it. This was pretty serious, wasn't it? This this vulnerability that was discovered last week. I think this is one of the most serious that we've ever seen on the Mac. Yeah, and of course, we're, we're talking about this vulnerability that's being called I am root. And um, I've also seen it called Rootgate, um, of course, in reference to Watergate and all, all of the uh, other gates that people have named after it. I knew that. <laughs> gates are good if they're about politics or about someone telling you how to hold the phone a certain way. But I don't think in security, a gate makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then, of course, this other thing that people are calling it, I am root, is kind of humorous because... People are, are making comparisons to, you know, the Marvel character Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. You know, I never saw that movie, but someone earlier today mentioned that to me. I, I didn't get the reference myself. Let's start by explaining what happened. There was a serious vulnerability discovered on Wednesday, the 28th of November. And at 8 a.m. California time on the 29th, Apple released a security update. The next day, Apple released a second security update because the first one broke file sharing for many users. So let's try and understand what this vulnerability did, why it was dangerous. And, and I want to look a little more closely at the whole question of security updates and why you need to keep your Mac up to date. So let's start by explaining what root is, because this is the key word in this whole discussion. I have a couple of accounts on my Mac, but none of them say root. Well, on Unix-based operating systems, and macOS is, is such an operating system, it has at its core an operating system that is based on Unix. A Unix-based operating system is is one that has certain components at, at its core, and macOS is based on that Unix technology. And so a root account in the Unix world is a super user account, and, and it has read and write privileges to more areas of the system. So in, in last week's show, we were talking about the difference between having it uh, sort of your account by default has privileges over your own account, anything that's in your own little world. And an administrator account has much greater access. Well, a root account is a super user account that has privileges to pretty much everything on, on your system. So with a root account, if if you have control over somebody somebody else's computer using that account, you can do all sorts of things. Just about any damage or malicious thing or prank or whatever you want to do. And there's always a root account on a Mac or any computer running a Unix type operating system. Well, that, that's yeah, that's a good question. Um, the root account in in Mac OS, at least, is not enabled by default, but it is there. In fact, if if you run certain commands um, from from the terminal, you can um, sort of temporarily be a super user. So you can use the the command sudo. Um, and of course, we don't recommend that users do this unless they really know what they're doing. 
don't try this at home. Unless you're comfortable with terminal and the command line, don't try any of this at home. Right. But that'll temporarily give you equivalent privileges, essentially, from, from the command line. So you could use any terminal command and then put that in the front of it, and now you're running it as though you are a super user. So so this root account always has super user privileges, and so it's it's incredibly powerful. Does the super user have powers like the ability to blow up the Death Star? <laughs> Oh boy, Kirk. The the name makes it sound like, you know, he can make the earth go backwards and time go backwards or something. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So, he can't spin webs and and swing through a city. No. Okay. Not not quite as cool as that. No, but but you do at least have have full privileges over the computer that you're using. And it it's actually a term among hackers to say I have root, isn't it? That means that they've that they've gotten into a, a computer, but not just gotten into someone's account in, on a computer, but that they've gotten into the computer and they can access anything. Correct. Yeah, I actually even have a, a T-shirt that says "Got Root" on it. I don't know if uh, people are familiar with the "Got Milk" campaign that was really popular in the United States for for uh, at least a decade, maybe even a couple of decades. And it's it's in that same font, the "Got Milk" font. So, how would someone get into a computer with this vulnerability? From what I understand, you don't really need to be Tom Cruise for this one. Yeah, and it's really good. The timing was amazing that we happened to talk about physical security last week because um, that was a great foundation for what happened or, or what could potentially happen as a result of this vulnerability. Some people could even assume that there is a link between the two, but we will strongly deny that we had anything to do with this. I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, so... Last week, we talked about how if somebody walks up to your computer and you've left it unlocked, they can do a number of things as though they were you on your computer. We actually talked about, is it possible for someone to create an administrator account? Normally, the answer to that would be no, because they would need to type in an administrator's password in order to create an administrator account on that machine. However, in this particular case, what would happen if somebody left their screen unlocked, and very specifically, this is important, um, it was only something that affected macOS High Sierra version 10.13 or 10.13.1. Right, so if you haven't updated to the latest operating system, you were actually protected from this vulnerability. Ironically, yes. And and we do not generally recommend that people stay behind on an older uh, version of macOS. And the reason for that is that if you look closely at Apple's security update page, there are vulnerabilities that they, for some reason, do not patch necessarily on older versions of macOS whenever they patch the most recent version of macOS. Um, pay attention to that if you look at the Apple security update details, because sometimes it'll only say that a patch was released just for the current version of the OS, even though it may in some cases be something that also affects older versions. But in this case, yes, it was not such a good thing to be on the latest version of Mac OS. And what would happen if you walked up to somebody's computer and they had High Sierra you could open up system preferences and you could click on that lock, you know, to so you can unlock additional privileges in the system preferences pane. And if somebody were to simply instead of trying to type trying to guess the user's password, they if they actually just typed root as the, the username and then clicked on OK a couple of times, then that would enable the root account with a blank password. 
Right. And as you said, the root account is not enabled by default. So it's not only letting people get into the computer, but it's also enabling an account that someone could exploit at a later time. Right. And as a matter of fact, yeah, if, if you, once you've done that, then you can do anything else just by putting in root with no password. Once you've enabled that root account, all bets are off. You could, for example, enable remote access via the terminal. So you could, if you know the, uh, the IP address of that computer, then you could just walk back to your workstation and ter- pull up your terminal, type SSH space, and connect to that machine remotely. And do anything you want. You could install files, delete files, copy them, right. change settings. One of the interesting things about this vulnerability that I haven't really seen talked about very many places, but, um, but has been confirmed, is that it's also possible if you have screen sharing enabled on your Mac, it was possible for somebody to remotely connect to your computer using screen sharing and, and enable the root account that way as well. Yes, because when you use screen sharing, the user who connects is presented with a login window on the remote computer that they're connecting to. I have a Mac mini server in my house and I use screen sharing to access it. So once I open the screen sharing window, I see something that looks essentially like it would if there were a display connected to that computer. You're essentially connecting to that computer as if you're in front of it, even though it could be someplace else around the world. So if your Mac was available to screen sharing, then this could be problematic as well. Correct. And in that case, that's even more dangerous because now somebody doesn't necessarily have to have physical access to your machine. Now, as long as they know where you are on the network, they can connect to your machine, enable root, and oh boy, now they can do all kinds of bad things. We'll have more discussion on the I Am Root vulnerability when the Intego Mac podcast continues in just about a minute. And if you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like us to cover, send us an email at podcast at intego.com. You're obviously a Mac user who's interested in staying up to date on the latest Mac security news and issues. The best way to do that is to subscribe to the Intego Mac podcast. And there's one other thing we'd like you to do. Save some money. Right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout to save 50%. That's IntegoPodcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. It's a great time to save 50% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 using the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout. Intego. Devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. So Apple discovered this in the evening of the 28th, uh, when everyone discovered it. A developer dropped this on Twitter. But it's interesting to note that on November 13, a user on Apple's developer forum had posted something about this. And it was in response to a question about logging in in a certain way. And the person was explaining, well, if you do this, you just click on other in the login window, enter Rudis username and the password empty, press enter, maybe try a couple of times, it'll work. 
And he says at the end, it worked for me. I don't know why, and I hope this helps. This user didn't realize what a vulnerability this was. And on the 28th of November, all of a sudden people were replying to this forum thread saying, whoa, hold on, this is serious stuff. And by then it had gotten out into the wild. Now, we're recording this on Friday the 1st, and I just clicked on a link to go to this forum thread, and it's no longer available. More correctly, it now says access to this place or content is restricted. So Apple has tried to erase this, but a number of websites have reproduced this comment. And we'll have a link in the show notes to Daring Fireball, which goes over the entire process of when this was first mentioned and the different comments that people made on this. And the original poster at one point, he said, well, I didn't realize this was a full-blown security issue. And basically someone stumbled on this. Now, I don't know if this is why it eventually spread because someone saw it in the developer forum, understood that it was an issue, and maybe that's when they decided, maybe these developers who reported it came from that. The thing is that it had been two weeks that this was known before it was announced, and there could have been people whose computers had been compromised. Right, yeah, and I also saw an animated graphic that somebody had posted a couple of weeks ago on on Twitter that was very a poor, poorly written post. And so it was not something that you could easily come across if you were searching for Apple security, but um, it showed this vulnerability with annoying flashing graphics and things. And they were like, Oh, good job, Apple. But they didn't at mention Apple. They didn't, um, you know, post any kind of hashtags that would make it possible for a security researcher to actually find this. And uh, yeah, so I, this this vulnerability was not well disclosed. No matter how you look at it, or or, or who you, who you point the finger at, it's not uh, it's not something that was disclosed to Apple as bugs should be. Surprisingly, right? Yeah, it's generally considered best practice, and there's different schools of thought on this. But most people would say that it's best to privately disclose it to the vendor that has the problem. In this case, Apple. So if a user finds a vulnerability like this, they should report it to Apple, especially if somebody's kind of a, a professional bug finder and finds a lot of security vulnerabilities on their own, then they'll know to kind of give Apple a deadline or you know disclosure window and say, you know, if this bug is not patched within X number of days, then I reserve the right to publish, you know, the full details of it and that sort of thing. But at least it gives the developer, in this case Apple, the chance to patch that before it becomes public knowledge and anybody can use it to attack Macs. Right. So this person just dropped it on Twitter. And of course, it spread as things do on Twitter very quickly. They later claimed that they had contacted Apple five days before. Now, I find this a bit dubious because there's obviously one way that you report a problem with Apple software, and that's using Apple's bug reporter. Anyone who's a developer knows how this works. You file a bug, and it goes through a process where Apple people look at it, and there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of bugs. Apple's bug reporter is notoriously problematic. They're not good at feedback. But if you find something that is this serious, you don't just file a bug report. You take your little fingers on your little keyboard, and you type Google and you go in, contact Apple security, and you know what? You're going to find a page telling you how to contact Apple security, including an email address. And I'm sure that seeing something like this, they would have reacted very quickly. So I don't think these developers did that. I think they just filed a bug report and didn't realize that there were other ways to contact Apple. And, and I would argue that another way to, to get this sort of process to move is to find a security researcher who deals with the Mac on the web 
and contact them and say, look, I found this. Can you help me get in touch with Apple? Yes, absolutely. And and there are a number of security researchers that, that absolutely would have been perfectly willing to help out with that. In fact, they could have even searched Twitter and they would have found some. <laughs> yeah. In, in some cases, you wonder if the people who do this want to get some sort of publicity. And it's a good thing to find and report a bug. And, and Apple mentions the names of people who find security issues in some of their updates if the people want to be mentioned. And it's good for your credibility as a security researcher. But in this case, it was really irresponsible because this is, as we described in a recent episode, this is a zero-day vulnerability, which meant that as soon as it's published, people can exploit it. And again, they don't need to be Tom Cruise. Anyone could have taken advantage of this. So Apple issued a security update the following morning. And in what was a relatively rare approach, they pushed this security update to Max. So you didn't have to manually install it. It would install itself. Now, what I'm wondering is, what if someone managed to get in and create the root account before the security update was applied? Does that mean that that computer is still vulnerable? Do we know if this security update would have disabled the root account? It does. Yeah, the Apple security update disables the root account if it's enabled. And so if if you are a developer or somebody who had a specific reason why you had enabled the root account, it will now be disabled and you'll have to re-enable it yourself. You'll also have to change the password because one of the things uh, as well that this update does is it resets the password on that root account. So if it was just blank or if, if an attacker had picked a password for it, now that password will not work if they somehow find a way to enable root again on your machine. That's good to know. So Apple issued this first update and immediately people were discovering that they were having problems logging into Macs using file sharing. I think any Mac that did not have Windows file sharing turned on could no longer accept logins. So Apple put out a second security update the next day. And oddly enough, the security update has exactly the same number. It is 2017-001. From my point of view, I can't imagine that this is a really good policy for a company to release more than one update with exactly the same number. Yeah, probably not best practice. I, I think probably what was what happened there is that Apple felt like, well, this has the same functionality, does the same thing. We don't want to confuse users. The first one works well enough and, and is not going to, you know, whatever bug might have been in the first one probably didn't affect very many people. And so they probably just figured, oh, well, we'll just sweep this under the rug and take care of it quickly, you know, without worrying about it much. It's not the first time that they've done that. I seem to remember about six months ago, there was an iTunes update that had a problem, and they released another iTunes update with exactly the same version number. So it's probably annoying if you're managing lots of Macs and you need to make sure that things get updated. So let's talk briefly about security updates. We use the App Store app on a Mac to update the operating system, to update apps, but also security updates. And... In most cases, you'll be manually prompted to make these updates or you'll turn off uh, notifications and you only see them if you happen to open the App Store app. So what I think is a good recommendation to make is to go into System Preferences and then click on App Store and check the box next to Install System Data Files and Security Updates. This will tell your Mac to automatically install these really important security updates so you don't have to worry about them. Right. And I believe one of the other things that will be installed automatically is, um, I think we've mentioned before that Apple has this X protect 
thing that runs in the background. And essentially what that does is it protects your computer from known malware that's that's out in, in the public that Apple knows about. It's not a full-featured antivirus. And in fact, it doesn't work nearly as well as an antivirus program or protect you from nearly as many things. But um, but it's it's Apple's really, really basic bad download blocker functionality too. And that also, I believe, gets updated through that install system data files and security updates checkbox. So this is a pretty serious bug. Yeah, this is this this is huge. I mean, the the last time that I can think of a bug this big and this severe and that had a similar cause, meaning that an Apple developer had made a really big mistake was with Mavericks, which was um, Mac OS 10.9. And this also actually affected iOS version 6.1 and and 7.0. And this bug You've probably heard of it if if you've been following Mac and Apple security for a long time. It was called Go to Fail, and essentially what happened was that an only one additional line of code was inserted into um, into this code that would check the validity of SSL certificates. So in your in your browser, you have something that will show you whether you're connected to a secure page or not. Everybody has seen this. You'll, you'll have a little lock icon or something like that. Um, when a web page uses a, a TLS or, or sometimes called, or most often really called SSL certificate, your browser is supposed to, to check the validity of that certificate. And this vulnerability made it so that your, your browser was not properly checking the validity of that certificate. And therefore, somebody who was playing man in the middle, somebody who got between your computer and the server that you were trying to connect to, could pretend to really be that server and then could serve you malicious code or whatever they wanted to do. They could steal your logins and then pass them on to the real server and, or things like that. All because of one line of code. And that was really bad. And this is a similarly severe problem caused by also a developer mistake. But that man in the middle attack, that requires some computer sophistication. That requires Tom Cruise, whereas this bug would allow anyone who is accessing a Mac to get through it. You don't need to know any fancy code. You don't need to be able to sniff packets or anything like that. That's a very good point. Yeah, it is definitely a much more sophisticated attack to be a man in the middle than it is to just walk up to somebody's machine. So this is a real indictment of Apple's quality control. And, and you know, in the Apple press, we've been talking a lot lately about things not working, about Apple making little mistakes and, and all that. And, and a little mistake in the way something displays, that's not a big deal. And, and an app that crashes every once in a while, that's not a big deal. But this is really serious. Apple actually issued an apology. They didn't issue it on their web state. They made a statement to a number of publications and websites. They said, we greatly regret this error and we apologize to all Mac users, both for releasing with this vulnerability and for the concern it has caused. Our customers deserve better. We are auditing our development processes to help prevent this from happening again. That's a pretty heavy statement to make. That basically says heads will roll. At least they did admit that they made a huge mistake, unlike some of these big companies who have uh, you know, data breaches where a billion emails and passwords and credit cards get out in the wild, and then they try to cover it up. So at least Apple's being honest. Of course, they didn't have a choice. This was such an obvious bug. But why could something like this happen in a company like Apple? 
that, I think that's the question that everybody's asking right now. There, there really should be better controls. And in fact, one would hope that way back when 10.9 came out and in iOS 6.1 came out, that somebody would have been on top of this and, and already discovered that vulnerability way before this ever made it into, you know, public hands. And, and, and again, I don't really see, I haven't seen a lot of people making that connection between this I am root vulnerability and go to fail. But to me, Apple's processes should have already been improved back way back when, when go to fail happened many years ago. So what's the takeaway here? The first is that security is hard. It's complicated. I think the second is that if you do discover something, then there is a process to report this rather than just going public and, you know, putting it on a billboard. You should make sure to turn on this option to automatically install system data files and security updates, because if you don't update your Mac regularly, if you don't check the App Store app regularly for updates, you might miss something that is essential. And this update was so important that Apple put the words in bold type, install this update as soon as possible in the Mac App Store app. And it's understandable because let's say you don't want to bother installing some of your updates and particularly because system updates often mean you need to restart your Mac. They wanted people to see this. Again, they did push the update out to auto install, which apparently is only the second time they've done this. Well, of course they did it twice because the first update auto installed, then the second update to the update auto installed. Yeah, that's true. But this underscores just how important computer security is, just how important this business is of keeping an eye on things, finding these vulnerabilities, reporting them, fixing them. This sort of incident highlights the possibility of poorly designed or poorly updated computer systems making all your data available to just about anyone. And Apple, if anyone from Apple is listening to this, please, please, please take this seriously. Don't let something like this happen again. Maybe it's a different development team this time around than back when when iOS 6.1 and Mavericks came out. But come on, please, you can't you cannot let something like this happen again. This is a serious vulnerability and you made a big mistake. On that note, stay secure. <laughs> stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Your comments and questions are welcome. Please feel free to send email correspondence to podcast at intigo.com. We may use your question on a future episode. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intigo.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com.